chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anybody have a favorite song? Yeah? No? For me, it's, uh, it, for me, it's plural, right, songs. It's hard to choose. Uh, because songs, poetry, all of these things, they hit us at different moments in our lives and, and draw us into connection with the world around us in a way that we can't quite express for ourselves, but in ways that get us. Ways that... Um, Show us that others around us are experiencing the same things, feeling the same feelings, experiencing life in a completely different part of the world and yet at the same time doing so alongside of us. If you look at your bulletin there um, for the reading for the day, there from about verse 6 to the end of verse 11, and notice how it's kind of printed oddly on the page. That's intentional. Because those verses serve as a song, a hymn. It's often called the Christ hymn. And it is, we believe, one of, if not the oldest, pieces of Christian music. Offered by the church to connect us to who Jesus is and what Jesus does for us. And remind us that as we live life, we do so in relationship with the one who emptied himself and took on the form of human flesh and lived and dwelt among us and gave of himself over and over again that we might know love. 
this piece of music as, as well as our favorite song, whatever it may be, these things form us. They help to shape who we are. It's often been said in the life of the church that so we sing, so we believe. Like stained glass has been used throughout centuries to narrate the biblical story from a time where the majority of people hearing it did not know how to read it for themselves to the way that music gave the words of scripture a device to move the hearts and shape the lives of the faithful. This Christ hymn invites us to embody the words found therein, not just to recite them, in imitation of the God who gave himself for us. Notice I said the word imitation. Right, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Young people always want to be like Michael Jordan or Brett Favre or Mia Hamm or Serena Williams or Tom Brady or Billie Jean King or Muhammad Ali. Because imitating those people will get you fame and fortune and material success and help you to excel in this thing that you love. We look to the lives of the saints, people like Mother Teresa and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Oscar Romero and Martin Luther King Jr. And we uphold their gifts to the world, the, the witness that they offered to the faith. And yet we don't necessarily say that we want to imitate these people because these people led a life of material poverty. They were hung. They were shot. They were executed because of the life that they lived. What does that say about us in the world in which we live? We look to these celebrities, these athletes, these public figures because of the shiny trappings that their life affords us because they seem to have it all. But when we look to these saints, when we look to the one whom they imitated, we see something entirely different. And we see it formed from the words of this hymn. What is this beautiful expression of faith from the earliest of our days want us to imitate? What does it want us to embody? How does it call us to be changed? To be like Jesus. Because quite often we say, well, I'm, I'm not God, I'm not perfect. Not as a sign of worship and reverence, but as a justification for why we've somehow fallen short. Saying that what we've put out into the world, it, it must have been good enough because we're not all powerful. How could we ever be like that? But in using this hymn, Paul seems here to echo the teachings of Jesus himself by saying the exact opposite. 
Be like Jesus. Because he emptied himself into you. Like water from a pitcher filling a glass. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any sense of compassion and sympathy, which there is, make my joy complete. Fill me with the good things of God by having the same mind and the same love shared among yourselves. Shared with me, Paul, who is in prison. Shared with those who will come after you. As it reflects the one who was crucified on our behalf. Encourage, console, share. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or excessive pride and vanity. But in humility... Look at other people as better than yourself. Don't consider your own interests, but look first to the interest and the well-being of others. Paul's singing not to a singular person, but to the whole body of believers. As a community, don't regard yourself as better than anyone else. As a community, have your focus on the best interest of those who are around you as a people share the same goal using the variety of gifts and experiences that God has given each and every one of you to carry out that common mission be like Jesus be like Jesus who didn't think that being equal to God was something to be exploited who didn't consider his power or his position or his status as something to hold over everyone else's head, but instead gave it up and gave it away that you and I might be different. That verse has always confused me. Because in our worship, we do think that God is different, that God is somehow other, that God is a mystery to we poor, frail human beings. How then could Jesus exploit his otherness when we have no way of knowing what it is? There's another way to translate that verse, something I think that the original composer of this hymn might applaud us for entertaining for a moment. Be like Jesus, who did not think that robbery and violence and hatred and exploitation was equal to God's methods in the world. And it's a completely different way of imitating Jesus, right? It's not just about giving up our own status, giving up our own place, but making the claim that Jesus, unlike the powerful in this world, 
Don't believe that your divine authority, your place of privilege, your giftedness, your entitlement gives you the right to abuse and exploit and dominate other people for any reason. Power. Power is not the focus of God. And violence has no part in the way that God works in this world. Jesus believed that so deeply and so fully and looked down and saw all the ways that we didn't get it yet and said no. I'm going to go into those places and I'm going to show another way. I'm going to show them what it means to be like God. To be a source of encouragement. To be a beacon of compassion. To model what it means to share fully and freely and generously. To offer joy. To be humble. And to bring people together in a common focus and mission and determination to show this world that God wants to offer us a different way of living than the one that we currently engage in. Selfish ambition, vanity, greed, violence, war. These things have no place in God and I'm going to show you better way. I'm going to show you what God really desires for you. And what is that? What does God want for you? To have everything you've ever asked for? To never suffer, to never endure hardship? For life to be all sunshine and roses all of the time. I think that what God wants for us is to show us that God's desire for us is stronger than God's desire for himself. The heart of God. Seeing the state of our existence is so moved against the brokenness of our world. That God constantly and consistently chooses not to stand by and let us continue to kill ourselves. But instead empties himself, taking on the form of a slave, setting aside power and glory to bring us up out of this mire of death and destruction. Father, Son, and Spirit share in their eternal existence the same focus and the same determination, the same mission. The care for and the enrichment of creation. Jesus offers us another way, the way of God, by selflessly offering himself. The fullness of his life, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his power. Showing us that God's desire is for our lives to know and be known fully in the life of God. All of that wrapped up in a little song.
in obedience to that common mission, to the desires of God's love poured out for all of us. Jesus lived a life that showed how invested he was in the best interest of others, even as it meant his own rejection and his own death. Jesus didn't waver in acting upon who he knows himself to be. God's generously abundant self-offering to the world, to each and every one of us. And Paul says, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus who had it all and then sat it all aside. To offer love, to offer mercy, to offer life, to offer himself. Even if it meant poverty and execution and death. We have crosses everywhere. If you took the time to count them, we'd probably be here all day. But what do we see when we look to this cross? Do we see it as the ultimate sign of human rejection? The weight of the world pressed upon a God who gave of himself for us? Or do we see it as the ultimate sign of God's selfless love for creation? The lengths to which God will go to, the things that God will endure to prove to us that there is another way. Do we see our tool of death and destruction or do we see God's instrument of humility and service? The thing about the cross is, We have to see both. Because that's what it is. It is a paradox. Saying two radically different things at the exact same time. Guilty and yet innocent. Abandoned and yet accompanied. Shame and yet forgiving. Death and life all wrapped up into this thing that we hang on our walls and wear around our necks. Because the one thing that this song, the one thing that this cross of Jesus universally points to, any way you look at it, is God's radically abundant love for creation, which will not be hindered or swayed or destroyed, even at the threat of death. Look at what Jesus' body has endured. Look at what Jesus has given up. And are we not his body now? We sing and we pray to the God who is at work and look at what God has already done for us. For the ways that we see and experience the presence of God in our day. How much more will God do through us to continue to transform this world in obedience to the self-giving love of Jesus? How much more will God do to show 
there is another way. What does this hymn try to teach? How does it try to shape us? I think it reminds us that it's not enough that God wants better for us. If God doesn't work to make it better. For us, it's not enough to want to follow God faithfully if we aren't constantly reevaluating that faith and giving of ourselves in obedience to Jesus' self-giving love. It's not enough to pray for peace if we aren't willing to go to places of turmoil and work for peace there. That just shows our thoughts and our prayers to be empty and ultimately self-serving. It makes us feel better not the world be better. It's not enough to think about the suffering and the agony of others if our thoughts don't move us to offer consolation and compassion and mercy in service to those who are in need. It just makes us feel better. Not the world be better. How does the song of Jesus' life story speak to your heart? Is your heart moved this day as we look to tomorrow and think of those soldiers whose lives were offered in defense of others? Does that move your heart? Good for you. Where does your heart move you? Where does your heart move you now to be the humble servant of obedience who offers consolation for those weeping at the tombs of their loved ones? Was your heart moved this past week at the news of 20 people, most of them elementary school students, dying in a mass shooting which occurred in a place where curiosity and wonder and imagination are supposed to guide the way? Did that move your hearts? Or what about a week prior where 14 others were killed, primarily people of color, as they shopped for groceries toward a meal that they will never get to share with their families? Does that move your heart? Good for you. Where does your heart now move you? To be the voice of encouragement and love and mercy and healing and peace and wholeness in a world that is filled with senseless and ungodly death. Is your heart moved as you think and pray for our future together as disciples of the risen Jesus at St. Mark's and what might become of our witness to the gospel in this place? Does that move your heart? Good for you. Where does your heart move you to give of yourself for the sake of the world, to grow in faith, to build up a community in Jesus Christ, and to share the good news that there is another way? That all might bow and praise as disciples of the living God.
How does the song of Jesus' life story move your heart? Because for me, it's too much. It's too much pain. It's too much grief. It's too much work, and I can't do it. I can't be like Jesus. But together we, his body, can. So go ahead. Go ahead and let your heart move you into the places where God is at work in the world. Go ahead and continue to try to work things out for yourselves because fear and trembling is all that we'll find there. We can't save ourselves, but we can look to the one who's already done it for us. God is the one who is at work. God is the one who gives breath to our song and a heart to live and to serve, working in us that which is good and pleasing and holy, bringing us toward that day where death is swallowed up in life. Pain and heartache and sorrow are no more. This is the God of whom we sing. This is the God who lives in us. So let's get out of our own way and follow the one who shows us the better way the way of truth, the way of life, and the way of love. Amen.